Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week, rejoined this week, sort of a, I guess, a reunion episode. I, I, I've strayed to other reporters and writers, Ben, so I hope you don't mind, um, but I thought it was a good time to bring you back, sports columnist Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You've had a wandering eye. But it's okay. I, I will forgive. Uh, they say if you if you love a podcast, let it go and, and see if it returns. And it was uh, it was a thrill to get the, an invite to rejoin you, man. So um, you always like to have me on right when the Cardinals fans are at their surliest. I think I'm, I'm sensing a uh, I'm sensing a trend here. I uh, I will confirm that that is definitely true. That that is uh, that is what has happened. I'm I'm in Atlanta. Uh, we're recording this. After Charlie Morton toyed with uh, a no-hitter and toyed with the Cardinals lineup, you're back in the St. Louis area, so we're doing this remotely. Um, we are getting closer, I hope, to maybe recording a podcast in person. How about that? If we could ever get our schedules to block. Yeah, it's just a, now it's just a matter of scheduling. I think we're good to go. It'll just uh, it'll just have to be uh, a schedule thing. We were we're back at the uh, we're back in the press box at Bush Stadium, back to our normal seats, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I kind of forgot how close we were sitting together in the pre-COVID times when we sat down the other day um, when the Cardinals were in town. I, I kind of felt like I was like I felt like I was like almost like in your lap. I was like, "Whoa, this is this is how it used to be all the time." Um, we're, I'm getting used to uh, sitting close to colleagues again, but I, I've, I've I've picked out my cologne of choice and, and improved <laughs> my hygiene habits and started shaving more regularly, um, which for me is like once every two weeks. Um, and, uh, and I think we're, I think we'll get the hang of it, but yeah, podcasts in person. I think that'll be, uh, that'll be coming soon, right? I hope so. I hope so. One other thing that is coming soon is a move for the Cardinals. You have to figure, you know, they've been on the, on the hunt for, um, pitching help and they've added a bunch of pitchers, um, almost at every level. Um, the most recent addition is Wade LeBlanc, a lefty who they signed as a free agent after he got his opt-out from the Rangers, um, talked with him in Atlanta. He said that he he acknowledged that he was vaccinated, and that's what allowed him to speed right from basically free agency to the bullpen to appearing in the first game of the series here in Atlanta. Um, the Cardinals are on the, you know, they they got their eyes open for others. Um, they, they realized that just adding a swing man or a long guy to the bullpen is not going to it's going to immediately help them in covering innings, but it's not going to correct what's become an erosion of pitching depth. In today's post-dispatch, you ran the numbers on multiple areas the Cardinals could get better, and I wanted to kind of use that, then as the backbone for our conversation, um, basically just ripping you off. Is that cool? It sounds great, yeah. And I know you'll have some I know you'll have some names that I probably didn't think to include or, or left out too, so I'm curious to see – if you have if you have alternative suggestions for I think problems that we both agree on problem yeah. areas yeah so let's start there of the when you looked at the different numbers which included the number of quality starts the team has the on base percentage um, particularly from the leadoff spot uh, that the offense needs um, or the walk to strikeout ratio or whip if you want to look at that when you were looking at those numbers did you find one that stood out as something the Cardinals could address that would change the team most dramatically. 
Oh, yeah. I think if I had to pick one, it would be the the quality starts, um, which most folks listening probably know um, what that is. But, you know, just for in case someone someone does and it's when your starting pitcher goes at least six innings and surrenders three or fewer runs. Um, and that that is, by definition, the statistic of quality start. It's a pretty good definition because it is what it is. It is what it says it is. And the Cardinals, you know, we've talked a lot about their blueprint for winning, Derek, and it's it's nothing crazy. They got to get good, solid started starting pitching that keeps their bullpen in, in good shape that allows them to more often than not use their best relievers, the, uh, the trio of relievers who are getting the job done more times than not. It, it allows their defense to be at its strength, and it puts their offense in a spot where it doesn't have to do massive things, and this is not an offense that can regularly do massive things, but it is an offense that can – win if you have good solid starting pitching so quality starts the cardinals are 17 and 7 when they get a quality start um, but their number of quality starts is kind of right about the middle of the pack in the national league and that's a problem and that's what they do have to find a way to improve because when they don't get a quality start they're now 16 and 29 uh, i'm sorry that, that that's their record against losing teams they're now they're now 18 and 27 um, when they don't get a quality start, and that's that's when the the games start to fall apart for them, is when they don't have a starter who goes out there and 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 does a good job, and and they their their method for winning kind of gets diluted after that happens. So I think the first thing is is finding a way to improve this rotation so there's not so many crossed fingers every time they go out to to start a game. Now some of this is you know, related to injuries. Jack Flaherty is on the injured list. Um, he's playing catch, you know, before games, but we're not sure when he'll be back. Uh, Miles Michaelis has pitched one time. KK just got back from injury. So the Cardinals the Cardinals have had some bad luck here, but they also chose not to upgrade the depth much at spring training when some of these guys started to get hurt. And we were going, hey, this looks a little thin. And they were saying, no worries. You know, we've got this. Well, if Oviedo goes out and pitches like he did the last time out every time, but he hasn't, um, KK has not has had one quality start so far. His last time out, it was um, this season. Um, they they've got a little too much uh, a little too much uncertainty there for how they need to win. So adding a starter, um, you know, someone who can regularly um, give them a chance to win, um, and you don't have to worry about it. I think that is number one. Um, the lineup there's less excuses for because now it is pretty much healthy and it's not getting it done. But I still think the number one thing that this team could do to help itself would be to add a locked-in starter. The quality start it doesn't look like that valuable of a number at first blush. Because you look at it, right, and it's 4-5-0-R-8, right? Seems pretty – actually seems less than average in this time of suppressed offense. But when you dig into it, it's it's about covering the innings. It's about the six innings, and that's the idea behind it. Um, quick aside, Quality Start was created and popularized by longtime baseball writer John Lowe, who is a St. Louis native, who uh, will often tell me about growing up um, in the St. Louis area and getting the Post-Dispatch each morning delivered to his house and what it was like to read the uh, baseball writers of yore in the post-dispatch. So cool little connection there for St. Louis. It's a great stat. It is a great stat. And because it has a spillover effect, right? Like if you look at, and you did the, you did a good, I mean, you mentioned the record that the Cardinals have, but it also provides stability 
game to game, and that means series to series. You know, think about how a team counts, right? If a team has two really good starters who give quality starts, that leaves three spots unknown. Well, every so often, those three spots are going to come up in the same series, and you might not get a win in that series. And so it's hard to kind of keep that steady, you know, drumbeat of being in every game if you cannot put up a, a strong amount of quality starts. Quality starts allow for uh, the team to contend that day, but also keeps them in play, keeps their pitching integrity in place for the games to come. We've seen this with the Cardinals. I mean, it's not a coincidence that they return from L.A., tough trip, right, and a tough turnaround, night game at Dodger Stadium, right away to a night game in St. Louis within the same 24 hours. Um, but that also had the injury to Flaherty. That also had some of the shorter starts. That also had Carlos Martinez's struggles there against the Dodgers in that one inning of work. Um, you know, and then they're swept by the Reds. That's not a coincidence. They were scrambling to cover pitching, and as a result, they were frayed and thin and, you know, vulnerable to the Reds, who took advantage. And that's where the Cardinals are right now. You mentioned the 24 quality starts. They also have 36 games where they've scored three or fewer runs. That's why they can't sustain a winning streak, is they cannot – just think about it right there. They don't they – don't, they, they too often don't put anything better than a quality start against opponent and they can't author a quality part themselves and they can't go series to series to series and contend. Does one starter fix that? I think that I'm not sure that there's an answer. No, it doesn't fix everything, but it's probably if you had to make one move that it's probably the move that would give them the best chance. And and you the way you phrase it kind of made me think of it's pretty simple. They don't they're not getting enough quality starts from their pitchers and they're really not ruining enough quality starts for opponents, right? I mean, yeah. those are that if, if you can find if you can find a team and create a team that can do both of those things, and you're going to have a pretty pretty dang good team. And and the Cardinals have flirted with being a pretty good team, um, but but they're not at the moment. And part of it is the injuries, but part of it is the kind of the the concerns that were stirring when when the final stages of this roster was completed, and there were some questions. There were questions about the starting pitching, there were questions about the the lack of proven depth um, on the position player side in, in a season where the Cardinals really could have used some help, um, some experienced help that could jump off the bench and do some things. Um, they've had one player in Edmundo Sosa who has really proven to be, you know, a guy who's capable of, of doing that. And a lot of other guys have gotten a chance and haven't come through. Well, some of them have been hurt. Um, but others have have just not capitalized on on the opportunity, and and I do think that it's not it's not one move for this group if they're going to try to reignite themselves by the trade deadline. And we're going to be talking about the series of options of moves for a while now because pretty much that's where this season is. I, I don't think anyone thinks right now that the Cardinals are just going to be the team that will take them into the postseason and give them a good chance if they just get healthy. That will help. But there's still maintenance moves required away and potentially a, a big move or two required a, away from, from being the kind of team that goes into the postseason looking to do damage. Now, will they make those moves? That's probably a, a whole nother podcast. But 
And I think they should, um, because for, for all kinds of reasons, um, you know, the, it's the, it's the first chance to show Nolan Arenado what you're all about at, at the trade deadline to show him that you, you're not the Rockies. It's one more importantly, it's potentially one last ride with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. Um, I think getting the, getting, going for it in the Cardinals version, you know, we know they're never going to, they're never going to go all in and tank the next. That's not what they do. But going for it, Cardinals version, um, in parentheses, with with you know Arenado, Goldschmidt, uh, Molina, Wainwright, the window, if you will. I know they don't like what the term windows, but they're in one. Going for it with those guys would make a lot of sense. Um, throw in the fact that it's ten years, you know, it's going to be ten years without a championship, which is a long time for the Cardinals um, if they don't get get to the ring this year. So. Yes, they should do it, but they shouldn't just go at a starter. They they could do other things. They need to do other things. As reluctant as I am about adding any sort of relief help, that's not you know more of the the um, bargain bin additions which we're seeing them try to go through now. And those are the moves that everybody scoffs at and rolls their eyes at. But if if, if Wade LeBlanc becomes a pitcher for this team who helps, then it looks genius. And and I still remember you know Bud Norris being signed by the Cardinals and everyone scoffing. And he was like the most reliable reliever that year. So right. you see how these guys play out before everyone just, you know, there, there's no risk in adding these players, but they could probably add more of a sure thing strikeout reliever who doesn't walk guys. But more importantly, I, I think they've got to find some way. Um, and, and, and because this will be available, find some way to add some sort of kind of moxie, grit, whatever word you want to use to the lineup, get some OBP injected in there. They need kind of an infusion of on-base percentage because that is continuing to sink for them. They just need a guy who can find dirty little ways to get on base. And and I think that that could help kind of the profile of this team. It certainly would have helped them against Charlie Morton to have a guy who could have found a way on um, before Paul Goldschmidt had to make it happen really late. I think they're missing that. You uh, mentioned like small moves, like Look, the Cardinals are kind of working on parallel tracks here. They do have an immediate need um, at the higher levels, at AAA and at the major league level, to, to add someone to handle innings um, just to almost buy time. They needed somebody to kind of like, okay, go into the four-corner offense and just cover an inning, which LeBlanc can do, or cover multiple innings and do it without walks and throw strikes and be efficient with it. Um, that's the move that they needed in the immediate term, um, but they need a more compelling and impactful move to kind of rise from survival to contender. So that that's kind of how I look at it. Like in the past, I mean, you could argue that they made the move for LeBlanc a week too late or maybe even 10 days too late because they needed, before going to Wrigley, they really needed someone to come in and just hold, serve just help them. They, they were in survival mode as far as innings go. And then they could kind of allow them some time to be patient and to look through other options. Who stood out to you as far as the starters that will be available? It looks like in the market there could be um, a lot of movement. Um, I don't know how eager some of these teams will be to trade, but there will certainly be a lot of conversation and there will be options uh, the price might be high, um, and the the addition really needs to be a sure thing for the Cardinals. Otherwise, why do it? Well, I've, I'll continue to beat the Max Scherzer drum, and and you are you are the first person. So full credit to you to ever I heard ever speak that as a possibility, and it was you know early early on, it maybe even before spring training of this year. 
Um, it makes a ton of sense. The only hiccup that is jumped in here is that Scherzer is now on the injured list. So yeah. he's got some sort of a groin problem and you don't want to, you can't deal for, you can't deal for a starter, an impact starter, the trade deadline who's got health concerns unless he's proven them to be mute. Um, we haven't seen that yet from Max. So I think that's kind of on pause right now. And then there's the question, of course, of if the if the Nationals will even trade him. Um, there have been strong cases made um, in the Washington Post um, that that have that have, I think are accurate. You know, don't trade this guy. Um, you know, this guy's going to be the the Hall of Famer in the in the Nats hat. Find a way to keep Max and and trade other guys. And, and I, I can understand that that viewpoint. Um, you know, keeping a guy like Scherzer around. Um, there's a lot of value in that. So just assuming that he's going to be dealt, I think that's probably premature. I'd love to see it happen. I'd love the story of it. I think he would be a great fit if he's healthy. But it, you kind of look at some other options until you find out that he's A, going to be traded, and B, that he's that he's physically okay. The guy that makes a lot of sense, and this is no surprise to you, is it's Kyle Gibson, um, I mean, another Mizzou Hall of Famer, who is just pumping quality starts this year. Yeah. The Rangers, who are the Rangers, are terrible, but they're not when he pitches, and it's because every time he goes out there, he's he's turning in a quality start. He's on the older end. Um, he has a year left on his contract after this season, which could be good or bad. Good in that the Cardinals' rotation is not going to be without question marks next season. It should be improved in health wise. But what if Dakota Hudson has a setback? If the Cardinals learned anything this year, it's that assuming that a guy is going to come back from injury and not skip a beat, um, you know, take a page from the Miles Michaelis playbook and and realize that having Gibson around for another year wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Downside is it would drive up his his cost, of course, to trade because you're not just getting a, a true rental. Um, I think the fit there would be fascinating. He is he spends time in this area. He was actually one of the few players. Um, well, one of the one of the four players, none of which were Cardinals, who showed up at the Players Alliance event here in St. Louis this offseason, loading in you know COVID supplies and food to the St. Louis families, and he felt it was important for him to be here for that. And I mean, he's the nicest nicest guy, and you just can see the fit there. And, and the way he's pitching this season has been amazing. Um, and so he right away looks at looks to me like the guy who makes a ton of sense, and he'll probably and he's also going to be one of the most sought after, you know, arms on the trade market. So it would require the Cardinals being willing to, to pay the price. The other guys are Scherzer, but also, you know, I, we've constantly talked about Matthew Boyd of Detroit, but here's the thing. He's on the injured list now too, Derek. Some of these guys are are starting to go down with injuries that just as you thought it might be the time for them to really prove that they're the most sought after arms. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been the, the issue over the last week is you go, okay, well, the Cardinals could look for this. Oh, well, he's hurt, or he's hurt. or or you got a guy like uh, Dylan Bundy, right? Who you know has a lot of peripheral numbers, and you go, well, that he would make a lot of sense out of the Angels, but then he gets rocked. Um, you know, I think he, I, I don't think you can overlook Danny Duffy. Um, you know, a lefty from the Royals, you know, a guy who could be on the move. Um, you know, the Cardinals have you know done a lot to add lefties over the last few years. Um, I, I agree with you. I think you know more and more Gibson makes sense, even at the high price that they'll have to pay, um, because of that extra year of control um, and because of his performance. But you know his salary next year is still less than probably what you would go out 
buying a guy for a one-year deal next year, right? And so, you know, he got he had this whole group of of pitchers this last year who signed for one year, eight million, nine million dollars, right? Some have worked out, some haven't. Um, but that was the kind of move that we talked a lot about training that the Cardinals would benefit from doing, adding a depth guy <laughs> on a one new deal that, you know, cost financially, but didn't cost anything prospect wise, but might give them some insurance. You know, the Cardinals argued that they did that with Adam Wainwright, but the counter to that is Wainwright was part of your rotation last year. This is about adding the the arm you lost, the, the insurance coverage you lost with Gomber. No one's saying that you shouldn't have traded Gomber. Of course, trade Gomber for in the Arenado deal. That makes a ton of sense. But you have to then replace that with someone. And they didn't. And so they they were down. You know, Kim's injury set them back in spring training. But otherwise, you know, some of this was predictable, right? Like Michaelis not being ready for opening day. Um, you know, some of these other guys, you know, Gant pitching well, but not consistent enough to, to constantly stay in the rotation without exposing the to, to greater work. You know, Ponce de Leon being thrown out of a long roll um, into the starting rotation and what that did. I mean, some of this was predictable that could have been headed off if you just signed a guy for a one-year deal. Um, so they could learn from that. and. You know, Gibson would be that guy, not just now when he's performing well, but then he would be somewhat that insurance next year, too. Right. I mean, and I know people like to beat up on Gant and Ponce, but Gant and Ponce, well, Gant more so than Ponce, um, they really did what was asked upon them at spring. Yeah. Their, their, their mission was to to try to do their best to grab a spot in the rotation until Miles Michaelis and KK got healthy. That was the That was the plan. Well, mm-hmm. then the plan changed, and now Gant has been a starter all year, and there have been times when he has not looked capable. Um, and, and it's just the truth. You know, as he would say, sometimes he throws balls, sometimes he throws strikes. I would say sometimes he looks like a, a, a capable starter for a winning team, and sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. And, 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 got, and, and Ponce got pushed out of that role by performance too, but they were never banked on to be those guys. The Cardinals, you know – the, the rotation kind of crumbling beneath them of signs, which we saw at spring training continuing, it thrust them forward into spots where they got exposed and have been exposed at times. So they, they've been kind of opportunity. Yes, but they've been overexposed, I think. And Oviedo has been, you know, you can tell Oviedo is going to be a, a good pitcher for the Cardinals moving forward, I think. But you know, the, the fact that he was coming into this year without much of a, much of a season last year, um, you know, before we saw a little bit of what he could do, I think that, you know, he's been encouraging more than discouraging, but again, not to the level that you can, you can get away with not having someone who's more proven in that spot. The Cardinals have been dancing around this obvious problem. And that's the, and that's the problem. That has to be the strength of their team. And they've got some, some Swiss cheese approach to, to fill it going on and it's, mm-hmm. and it's biting them at times and it's showing up in, in other areas. So I think too. I mean, you don't. It doesn't have to be a true rental at starter, but I do. I do trend toward. It has to be someone who's doing it and who's who's doing it reliably and regularly. Because if it's another guy who's kind of fringy, then what's the That's point? You know, just keep giving opportunities to to Oviedo, and maybe he turns the corner. 
Um, you know, it has to be someone who's clearly better, and that's going to come with a higher price. Very what do you think about uh, what do you think about German Mar- uh, Mar- Marquez from from Colorado? I know it's goofy to trade away Gomber to the Rockies and then go get a Rocky <laughs> starter. It would be great if they could get Gomber back. I know that's probably not possible because he's pitched so many pools, but Marquez has an interesting contract. He would not he again he would not be a rental, but he's relatively relatively um cheap for the contract he has, but the length on it would probably make him I would guess more expensive than the Cardinals would, would want to deal for considering he's under contract through 2024. Yeah, you know, I mean that that's that's part of this, right? I mean, and that's it's a good way to kind of describe um, what how trades work. You know, when you're looking at a trade, you know, and, and how a team will approach a trade, some of the biggest indicators are not just performance, right, or name recognition. A lot of it is control, like the control years. And the more contract control a player has or a team will get, the higher price be for prospects um and then you can kind of go okay where what position are those teams in are they in a spot like say um like the angels right like are they in a spot like the angels might be where they want to trade a guy um but they want to get somebody who will help them in the majors next year or are they in a spot like say the rockies are where, or say the Orioles, right, who have a really interesting guy in, in means, right? Well, do they trade him? He's a good example of what I'm talking about is, you know, here, here he is. He's, he's got the, the no-hitter. He's pitched very well. He's, he's a lefty, um, and he's under control through 2024. Well, do the Orioles think they're going to contend in that time? He's 28 years old. So if they contend two years from now, that's his year 30, and he's about to be going, you know, into free agency, and they'd probably be thinking about trading him then um, if they're not going to resign him. Uh, so now do they move him when the, the price is right and they can get a substantial haul of prospects because they can command top prospects who are a few years away from the majors and thus going to arrive when they're ready to contend, right? Okay, so that's how the trades work. And, you know, Marquez is kind of that, – that would be the appeal – but that would also be like an example of what the Rockies would try to get. So you're talking about having to move one of the Cardinals' top prospects. And that's why, like, when people go, well, go get Scherzer, but don't give up Gorman. It's like, that's not how those, that trade would work. Um, Scherzer has all the power. He's got a no-trade clause. The, the Nationals aren't going to get anything in return, and that's another part of it, is look at what a team gets if that player leaves. In some cases, it's just a comp draft pick. And so that's where the asking price starts. Look at the Rockies deal for Arenado. Remember what they were saying? If he opts out, they were like, well, we, we would only get the compensation draft, the, the comp draft pick. So they wanted that to be included in any deal that they got from the Cardinals when they saw the $50 million that they spent in cash as expanding the number of picks like that they got. It's not a coincidence. But a couple of the a couple of the players that went in that deal are third round picks because that's about the compensation, right? So that's how deals kind of come together. That's how deals are kind of structured. And so that brings us to the point where if you go after Marquez or you try to get some of the, these guys who have control years, what what 
a price too high to pay, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they. I mean, the Cardinals at one point, at one point, when we were having one of these discussions seasons ago. Mo said something along the lines of, "You can trade for Dylan Carlson if you pry him from my cold, dead hands." I, I would got. I have to assume that Nolan Gorman and, and Matthew Libertor are somewhere close to the uh, cold, dead hands um, range for for the Cardinals, and probably should be. Which is kind of why the names that I tossed out in the thing I wrote for, for the paper, I was trying to really focus on. You know, I didn't put Mar- Marquez in there because I, I know I see him being linked to the Cardinals in, in some trade stuff, which we all know how that goes. It's sometimes it's sometimes there's some truth to it. Sometimes it's scattershot craziness. But to me, the the length of the deal made it sound like, man, that would take more. Now, Scherzer, I don't know about. I mean, you tell me. Do you think that anybody's going to be trading their Nolan Gormans for a, a true rental of, of no. Scherzer? I don't no, think so. Either. That deal works. Because no, and, and 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 I know there will be competition for him, but it doesn't mean that there will be competition for teams, you know, rushing to give away their their most controlled best prospects. No. Um, I kind of go back to the Zach Wheeler deal that the Cardinals yep. did not make with the Mets. I mean, there were a lot of teams looking at Wheeler. No one ended up trading for him, as my as my friend uh, um, McGraw reminded me um, on the radio recently corrected me. Cause I kind of, th- I kind of thought I convinced myself that Wheeler did get traded that year, but he actually didn't. But part of the reason was part of the reason was no team wanted to, to give what the Mets were asking and the Mets were not asking for top prospects. They were asking for you know, major league level players right. um, or close to it. So I think that's going to be more of the Scherzer deal, which is why, is. you know, you wonder, you wonder, okay, the, the Nationals have been terrible for years at developing in-house catching. The Cardinals have been pretty good at it. Um, you know, look at look at Yachty clearly. Look at um, you know look at what has happened with Carson Kelly out in Arizona. You wonder if they're with with the Kisner Herrera you know thing coming to a head at some point in the near future. You wonder if there's a deal to be made there, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of see maybe a potential fit there that doesn't cost you your your Gormans or, or your, or your Libertors. But to me, the Marquez one, the, the ones that have the massive length, they, they get a little more tricky. Gibson's interesting because Gibson does have that extra year of control. And it makes you, uh, it makes you wonder um, what, what teams desperate for starting, especially as some of these other starters are going down might be lured into giving, but I don't know. That's the, that's the tougher one because it's that year and a half. It's not a true rental. And it makes me, Makes me wonder what the most a team would be able to give. It, 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 you also have to look at what do the Rangers want. Um, right. How soon do they want to be competitive? Are they selling off, you know, Gallo too, and, and trying to, you know, go into a bit of a rebuild? I don't know what their motives are. We haven't heard them yet. Well, they have a new general manager, which also makes it a little different because Chris Young is still kind of identifying what kind of um, general manager he's going to be. But let, let's let's dissect because we've we touched on it. But let's let's like kind of dissect what goes into a trade consideration because you've outlined two teams really um, in different spots, but with similar players to offer. Okay. So Washington national, what do they get in the Scherzer leaves at the end of the season? Nothing. Yeah. A, a slap on the back. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the memories. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> So that's the baseline. They are, we trade Scherzer or we let him go to free agency and risk not getting anything in return. So or they, extend him. They, or they can extend him. They can extend him. They can extend him, but then 
again, then they have Scherzer, right? But they could also right. resign him if you trade if they trade him elsewhere. They're, that could have happened. That would not happen. Their baseline is we might we might run the risk of getting nothing in return. Okay, so let's start from there. Do the Nationals want to contend? Well, that's a good question. They they've got to feel I think probably like their window was closing a bit on them. Well, they have Soto, right, and Trey Turner, uh, but they may not. Right. But they got Schwarber, who they could deal. Lester is is old and has had health issues. Um, mm-hmm. They've got to decide which direction they're going here. And that might be the, the the tipping point then, because if they want to contend next year, then they're going to want somebody in the majors or closer to it in exchange for Scherzer. And, and we're not talking about, again, you're not trading an all-star necessarily for him because, you know, that's not – because they're starting from a baseline of nothing, of getting nothing. In. So that, that kind of narrows the focus. And then the last part is they don't control – where he accepts a trade to. So Scherzer has all of the leverage. And so if the Nationals go to Scherzer and say, hey, we have options to trade you to St. Louis, Chicago, New York, you know, this list. And he goes, okay, I will approve a trade to the Cardinals. Then what do the Nationals do? They, they can't go, well, we have a better offer from the Cubs. We have a better offer from you know the Dodgers, a better offer. If he'll only accept this trade, then he has all the power. So we have to make the best deal possible at team, and we don't have a whole lot of leverage because the other option we get nothing. So that's where the Nationals are with that trade. Right, and 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 there's a very good chance still that the Nationals could decide to heck with it. We've had terrible. St- the last time we had a rotten start, we won the damn World Series. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're seven games back. They've won six of their last ten. They've won four in a row, which is the longest winning streak in their division. Atlanta is a mess, as uh, well as the Cardinals are, are finding out they can be just as big of a mess. But you know, they <laughs> might they might be saying, "Hey, we want to keep contending. We want to keep having a chance. We want we want Max Scherzer to be part of that chance." So you know. You wonder if they're if they're going to make some rushed attempt at at trying to not let him get to free agency. Although you'd think it would have happened by now, he's not going to go back there if they trade him away. I mean, no, mm, just interesting. And no, there's no way that he would that he would do that. I, I can't imagine that rarely happens, and especially not. I think Max is the kind of guy that if you trade him away, he's going to say, "Okay, I'm gone." Now, maybe it, maybe I'm wrong there, um, unless yeah. it comes like much later in his career. But uh, yeah, that's the that's the that's what I try to tell people. Well, how can you get Scherzer without 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 a Gorman? Well, look at the situation. Yeah, um, you know, it's the same way that it's the same way that the Cardinals got Arenado without without giving up some of their some of their their darlings. Um, you know, that that increasingly so, teams are are trading to to beat the contracts more than more than trading to beat the opposition. It seems like. Right. Um, and and two, the other thing that we should mention, and I, this is, I hate talking about this all the time, but I think it will kind of depend on how the team and teams involved view what's coming up ahead. Um, you know, the season. Yeah, I'll give credit to Ricketts for mentioning it because everyone else is tiptoeing around it. And Ricketts said, yeah, we're going to be influenced by what we do at the trade deadline based on the outlook that we have for will there be a 2022 season? 
and how long will it be and what could it look like? So I, I think that could, um, I think that could give teams that are looking for reasons to sit out um, all of the opportunity to do so, which should open the field for teams that are being aggressive, which the Cardinals should be one of them. Yeah. The Rangers are in a different spot. Like you said, do they want to, how quickly do they want to contend um, and the extra year of control? Plus you have the market. They are a bizarre team where you might actually have some teams bidding on Gibson who doesn't have the same control that Scherzer has. And thus Rangers can maximize, you know, the auction house aspect of a guy and try to drive up the offers from teams. Um, what, what it'll come down to in some ways is it might be the case of what prospects they like better. Like there, there's going to be a trade that happens where Cardinal fans and probably the Cardinals go, well, shoot, they could have matched that. But that's their perception. The team doing the trade might just like the other prospects better. Well, no team in baseball should like any prospects more than Cardinals prospects because the Cardinals can just break out a, a PowerPoint presentation of how all their former prospects have taken <laughs> off with new teams. That should be a selling point to these deals. Maybe. You're right. That's interesting. Be Luke, you got a Luke Voigt BMW commercial you can show. You can show Adolis Garcia hitting grand slams all over the place. Randy Rosarena in the World Series. I mean, the Cardinals have that going for them. Come on now. Zach Gallagher. Yeah. Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. I mean, my God. Can they trade for him? Holy smokes. Talk about quality starts. Yeah, this no guy problem. this guy doesn't do anything for, for, for fewer than, than seven innings at least. Or, or he'll just pitch the whole game. So that game, uh, that game was interesting because I thought, you know, from for Cardinal fans, that that was the game where it was Alcantara versus Oviedo was sort of a chance to go what could have been and what could yet be. You know, that was kind of the contrast there. You know, had Sandy Alcantara around, this is what you could have had if Oviedo improves and continues to grow as his talent will allow. Yeah, and and it's I I like talking to you know we talked to Sandy at spring. Yeah. And it's funny because you talk to Voight and Voight is like, I want to hit 15 home runs a game against the Cardinals every time I see him forever. And it's and it's and it's from a good place, but he's motivated by it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's Luke. But you talk to Sandy, he's like, man, I, the Cardinals believed in me. They gave me an opportunity by trading me. He has such a unique perspective on how that worked for him. And man, he at some point he's going to go. He's going to get picked up by a team that's going for it. And I think the world is going to know how good this guy is. I, he is the most. He has to be the most under-discussed, underrated, dealing young star pitcher in the game right now, or close to it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe. It. He's got immense talent, and you know the moment where his pitch ran in and hit Edmondo Sosa, he kept trying to get Sosa's attention um, to apologize. And even then, as he went back to the mound, he went back to first base, patted his heart. I mean, they've been they were teammates for so long. I was talking to Mondo about how many teams they had played together on. And he, he was like, he was trying to count them up going back to Dominican and just was talking about how close they were. I thought that was, that was a, that was a real genuine moment between two players who are fond of each other, but also a real sense and a real window into what kind of, you know, I, I guess almost like standard bearer Sandy Alcantara could be for a rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know if it will happen in Miami, but it's going to happen somewhere. I mean, he yeah. he will get traded, or he will get you know if he gets to free agency, which he's speeding toward um, with some numbers that are going to make him a lot of money. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be a lot of people are going to know his name by the time. I don't think a lot of people know him now, but a lot of people will by the time it's over. It'll be interesting. Yeah, he could be. He could be a two-time, three-time All-Star by the time he hits free agency and then scores this massive deal to be a Los Angeles Angel, and everybody goes, whoa, wait a minute, where'd this kid come <laughs> I mean, he's kind of a throwback in that he, and part of the benefit of him being with the Marlins is they just heap innings on him. And he's going to be yeah. a throwback in terms of one of these young guys who can pitch deep. Great um, point. You know, that's getting rarer and rarer, and he is, he is almost, he's, a, he's a throwback player. And I think that's going to be – there's going to be real value in that. I mean, look at Lance Lynn mm-hmm. um, and look at the money that Lance has made just by by just chucking it and and, yeah. and, and and going deep into games. And another guy that you look back and go, man, did the Cardinals misread his potential? I, and I think I think they did. And it's also a credit to Lance and how he's continued to get better. Um, but, man, that's what they need now. They need they, – they were counting on Miles Michaelis to be their Lance Lynn, and he's made one start. And we're – we're here talking about trade trade proposals for starters because of it. Yeah, you're right. And one last thing about Sandy Alcantara that you touched on there, um, the comparison with Oviedo grows a little deeper when you think about the circumstances in the sense that, you know, Sandy Alcantara traded for Marcel Azuna and goes to a team that had a spot open in the rotation and needed him to, to fill some innings and was going to give him the innings to grow. Um, that's what's happened with Oviedo. You know, he hasn't had the traditional kind of development. He's kind of developed in the majors because of the need the Cardinals had, whether it was last year with all the double headers and the need for starting pitching or this year where they orchestrated the six man rotation for him to be a part of, you know, he's kind of developing on the job in the same way Alcantara did. Yeah. And that's the other thing too, to remember. Um, And I know that, that Cardinals fans love uh, using the, uh, the the just the, the, the painful memories of, of watching all these other guys play elsewhere. But some of these guys would not have, for a team that was trying to constantly win and a team that was trying to constantly be in it every year, would not have been able to give the time to some of these players who are now taking off. Now, mm-hmm. Voight has pretty much been good as long as he's been healthy with the Yankees. Um, a Rosarena, for the most part, you know, deserves credit for – bulking up and strengthening the, the pandemic layoff. Um, but, you know, a guy like Adolis Garcia, if he would have played, if the Carlos would have stuck him in the outfield, he would have played every day. Look at how many ups and downs he had. I mean, the, the Rangers released him at one point. He cleared waivers. Um, he basically, you know, they pulled a Tyler Webb with him. And it's like, it would be like if Tyler Webb came back and pitched great for the Cardinals, you know, but to the point where like, you know, as well as Garcia is doing, that there's just not as much, patience that the Cardinals can have for, for guys to do that when they're trying to to get after it every year. It's totally fair to question the Cardinals' ability to project talent, to make trades and make sure they're including the right players. To And, and they've said it themselves that when they misread some of their own prospects, um, that's, that's kryptonite to them because they're a draft and develop-minded team and full, fair, full and fair scrutiny there. But I do get a little annoyed when it's everybody goes nuts about, you know, a Garcia and it's like, well, they would have, they would have been running Garcia out of town. If he would have Mm -hmm. gone through some of the growing pains here in St. Louis that he did with the Rangers before now blooming. Uh, I see with Randall Gritchick. I mean, Randall Gritchick has been the same player in Toronto that he was here in St. Louis. He just played every day and, and he was given a massive contract because they like that player. 
But here, that performance was not good enough, you know, for for many fans. And and not that they're the ones making the decisions, but there is sometimes, uh, I think, the, the, the problem, and it's a real one, of the Cardinals not having good reads on some of these guys. It's being diluted by some by wanting to throw everybody into the bucket. When there's enough there and enough fair points to make really some 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 bad swings and misses that you almost weaken the argument by including guys like Grichik, separate them and look mm. at, and also don't include a guy like Carson Kelly because they knew that he was going to be good. <laughs> they, right. they knew right. that they, they traded him because he was blocked and because they were trying to, to make a more of a win now move by adding something they didn't have. So sometimes when, when some of these guys are thrown into this argument, that's a fair one. It gets a little, uh, gets a little watered down. It does take good players to get good players. So if you want to get Paul Goldschmidt, you do need to trade good players. Um, you, you, you hit on the outfielders and that's where I wanted to go with this conversation. The Cardinals have made such a, <clears throat> what's the word? Such a stance, such a, such a devotion to getting their outfielders playing time, to seeing what they really had, to learning from the Rosarena opportunity. Is it time for them to look outside? And is there any indication that they actually will? Because to find their on-base percentage, to find something to kind of augment the lineup? Well, it's one way they could go. Um, you know, the other Rocky that was discussed longer than Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, he could be moved. Um, his on base is stupid high again. He had a bad April, but now he's now he's getting on base at a at a at a Charlie Blackman like level. Um, that's a weird contract where he has like he has he has all the power in it. There are these player options. I, I don't know. It, it, probably not what the Cardinals are looking for. That ship may have sailed. A lot of talk about like an Adam Frazier. Uh, a lot of talk about Joey Gallo, David Peralta. The Cardinals rarely make in division trades. I mean, mm-hmm. like you would know better than me when the last time they done it for a, a substantial position player. Um, Joey Gallo has, as a, he's a bizarre, I mean, talk about bizarre team, bizarre player His on base percentage is high this year, really high, but the power is not there. He's been like an average league average hitter as an outfielder since he was an all-star. I don't feel like that's an automatic upgrade. It would be a name, but it's just a, he's a confusing for me to try to figure out what he's going to be. Peralta's on base is down, you know, and has been kind of on a slow drip really of the past few years. And, and I don't know that that's the, the obvious answer. I wonder, and maybe this is not a big enough move. And I can I understand that for people who would push back against this, but what about a guy who can do a little bit of everything who can play outfield, who can play infield, who can play third base and second um, Josh Harrison. He's 34. I get it. You're, it's not going to be a long-term fix, but he's, he plays everywhere for the nationals who could be sellers He's averaging like almost 275. He's got a 350 on base. Um, he's basically had the same numbers, Derek, that he did last season, um, this season, which is a good sign. He's only making like $1 million this season, and he's a true rental. He doesn't have a contract that goes beyond mm. this season. That, to me, is the kind of guy that you can add. You can put him in there. He's a veteran, two-time All-Star. He's never won a ring. You know he's desperate, too. I think a guy like that could maybe work some wonders quietly for this team, whether he has to jump in and hit leadoff for a while um, or whether he just kind of becomes the the sandpaper type element to the lineup. I I like the more I looked at his numbers, the more I kind of liked that as a potential fit in in part because of his versatility on defense. 
Well, that answers the question, like, would the Cardinals actually make a move to add an outfielder? That would be one way that they could get by with by saying we're still committed to our young guys, um, but we're adding something, right? I mean, it, it, well, I, it, I, don't I don't know. Yeah, I guess I realize, I'm realizing now I didn't answer your question. I don't know which way they're going to lean here because they've got this injury, this injury, this, this injury element. They like clearly. I think they've seen enough from O'Neill to like this, and they want to continue that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I can see why. I mean, the, to me, the only question left on Tyler O'Neill is: Is he going to stay healthy? I'd like to see him play 145 games in a season before I'm convinced that he's going to be a future All Star. Um, you know, I don't know that his body is going to hold up, and the way he plays is is not conducive to holding up. But other than that, I, okay, I see what they're say. I see what they have in him, and I see what they've been banking on he's not going to be a walk guy he's not going to be an on-base guy it's just not who he is but if he plays 145 games he's probably going to be an all-star just based on his home run total and there's value in that and as you have documented he's using his speed he's using his his defense more than he has in the past so I get that um Carlson I think everybody's thumbs up on that maybe he should be hitting leadoff we'll see but the question mark of course is is going to be Bader and he hasn't been healthy so you know Maybe you just say that okay, that's enough, and and they try to go make a move there, but they really can't say that Bader hasn't Bader hasn't gotten that shot because he's been hurt, and maybe that ends up being the 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 last chance for him. But they haven't seen much in those other guys either. I mean, Justin Williams has been intriguing at times, but I don't know that he looks ready. And Lane Thomas has been, I'd say, the biggest disappointment of the group. Um, I was pretty. I thought Lane had a real shot this mm-hmm. year. Um, but I don't whether he's still slowed down from the COVID stuff or now it's just he doesn't get a chance because he doesn't he doesn't get regular chance to play and he, I'm sure it just feels like he's playing on quicksand because he 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 can't win but he hasn't performed and and that's the that's the the problem there is they didn't have this this surprise player come and grab the opportunity it's kind of trickled down so yeah you can make a case for an outfielder but it's going to require them making a hard decision i think on what they feel about Harrison Bader yeah yeah you that that's exactly right cuz that's where the position would be cuz Dylan Carlson would be center field and they or they'd add a center fielder and Dylan would go back to right but you're right it would be will the can the cardinals look at improving this year now at the expense of playing time for Harrison Bader What's the, and what's the what's and, and I can see honestly like I can see them twisting and turning this and going both ways because there have been times where he's shown some improvements. Um, he cooled off, you know, before before he was was injured. But there have been some moments where you say, okay, maybe he's figuring out. We've seen how much his defense in center helps more than it hurts compared yeah. to some of the things that have happened there when he's when he's not in there. Um, it's just been a really confounding here to to have him removed from this conversation because you know this was supposed to be the test of these guys and he's been exempt from a lot of the test and and at what point is he going to be back I mean do we have a a definitive timeline on when he will be uh, easing back into this picture after being out since late May no he had a he had a setback you know he went back in for another scan and the damage was a little bit more severe and the healing wasn't enough for him to you know, begin more aggressive work like uh, like Paul DeYoung did. So he's a couple, a week at least, a week and a half behind what the timetable was for DeYoung, and DeYoung missed a full month. 22 games he's played this year because, remember, he was delayed on the front end. Yeah. So you're asking – the Cardinals didn't feel like they could make a decision on him after 50 years – 50 games in 2020 
now they're I, it's just hard for me to, to see them making a definitive one after 22 games in, in 2021. So let's so let's bring all this together, and I want to combine this conversation we've had about partners, about what goes into a trade, about looking at what a team needs before trading with it, and also your question of would they trade in the division with a complete hypothetical. You ready for it? So an outfielder with high on-base percentage, multiple years of control, playing for a team, going nowhere in the near future, and he's about to make money. Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I love it. I he's he's you... okay. Switch hitter, um, high on base percentage, can play, you know, the spots in the outfield that the Cardinals need. Um, probably a fit for leadoff, top of the order, spark plug type. Um, you know, three more years of control. Also within the division and a team that doesn't have plans to contend in the near future is in a rebuild mode. Oh, and by the way, their best prospect plays third base. So is how far into the Cardinals top prospects would you go to nourish an opponent perhaps three, four years from now, but get the return on a player for the next three years at a position that you've really struggled to develop? Yeah, that's uh, that's the name that you know. I, I was running through the league um, leaders and on base percentage, and he's right there. I mean, he's he's got a three ninety three OBP this year. It's absurd. Um, I was one of the few who voted, gave him some uh, some National League Rookie of the Year love a couple of years mm-hmm. ago because he had yeah. an awesome awesome rookie season in, in nineteen. Um, the way that I view this, if I'm trying to view what I think the Cardinals will do, is I think of the Cardinals. And some of the swings and some of the guys that they've given up that have come back to proverbially bite them. And I think about how how unavoidable that topic would be if they were playing that team in the division. If they were facing Randy Rosarena, you know, along the National League circuit, it would be it would be brutal. So I I think there's probably you know one of the one of the reasons they've just been pretty much cold turkey on in division trades is is that reason. Um, but if you're going to risk it, Reynolds is Reynolds is man talented. Um, the problem is if you're going to make that trade as the Cardinals, wouldn't you kind of want a deal from your from your pool of third basemen? And that's not really what the Pirates need. Um, so I don't know what they would. They don't want to give up Gorman. They don't want to give up Libertor, and I think that's probably smart. Beyond that, um, who is there that would be able to build that package around because of what you mentioned, the control on Reynolds? He's only been in, he's only been in the majors three seasons. I, I don't know where to start without – if you leave out Gorman and, and Libertor, where do you start that package that doesn't include third baseman for the Cardinals, which the Pirates probably don't need? Well, they could use a DH, though, so you you do expand that. You know, and maybe maybe they double up on third base. Um, you know, the Cardinals have that. That's the thing is the how far away are the Pirates from contending? At least two years. So then you re, you know you kind of reverse engineer it. So who is two or three years away from the majors from being an impact guy there? You you look at it that way. Gonna is give it, up. Uh, gonna give up Walker. Is it Walker? You know, is it? Um, Win Mason Wynn? Is it Lucan Baker? Is it Herrera? You know, I mean, what what 
what price hurts and would be hard to look across the field three years from now, even if you get three years of remarkable performance at a position that, again, you just haven't had the stability you hope. Right. I mean, and that's the, that's the kind of the same thing we said about starting pitching, right? Don't add someone who's not a true answer. The Cardinals, if the Cardinals are going to add a starting pitcher, it needs to be someone who, unless the guy gets hurt, which you never know what could happen, um, that he's going to go out and shove. If you're going to add an outfielder, enough of this, could he be, question mark? Go get someone who is and and will be, um, either for the rest of the season, for a cheaper price, or for the future. Um, and that's what Brian Reynolds has shaped up to be. He is an answer, and there's no question mark on him now. Um, and you know that he would relish a chance to probably play for a team that that is going someplace. So, you know, that's go get that guy. Don't go get Frazier. <laughs> so I, yeah. I agree with you on that. It's an interesting, like it, it, it it's a good hypothetical that kind of captures what we've described throughout the length of this conversation about what goes into a trade and how to kind of measure what it will take to pull off, but also how hard it is. Do um, I feel and, I feel really I feel really sad for Pittsburgh fans if if the Pirates trade Brian Reynolds that would be tough. Yeah, and also like trades are hard, but for the Cardinals, trades are necessary. Well, they're going to have to. They're going to. They can't just if they're going to decide to stop trading. This would be a bad time to do it. <laughs> I, I, I think it's hard to. I think it's hard for a team that says it's you know determined to to win another championship to justify what would become a sixth consecutive season of not improving the, the team at the trade deadline. Um, that's, that's hard to, that's hard to explain away. Um, and really you've, you've covered it extensively. The teams that win the world series are not every team that upgrades at the trade deadline goes on to win a world series, but more times than not, the team that wins the world series has done some improvements around the trade deadline. Um, the Cardinals, the last time they were a 100-win team was the last time that they made multiple moves to help their roster at the trade deadline. It wasn't 11. It was 15. It was Brandon Moss and Broxton. Moss fell apart the following year, but Broxton was really good for that bullpen, um, and, it, and it gave a, a boost to that team that went on to win 100 games and win the division. Didn't guarantee that they won the World Series. They didn't. But if the Cardinals are, you know, the Cardinals are – going to cut through the mixed messages and try to give this team a, 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 a jolt. Um, they tested their depth. They said they wanted to it that, that approach bit them. Now they get a chance to fix it here. So it would be a bad time for them to decide bad time message wise for them to decide they're done trading. That's St. Louis post-dispatch sports columnist, Ben Fredrickson. You can find all of his work at stltoday.com and in the pages of the post-dispatch, he hosts inside pitch the baseball video program on on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch's website, STL today. Oh, gosh, it just fused it all together. You know what? You do too many things for me to keep track of. I just want to just – yeah, well, there's a new deal going on, a dollar for six months of coverage. So, you know, get on that. Um, that will take you through the end of the baseball season, through the trade deadline. Also gives you access to Ben Fredrickson's chat. Um, the video that he does with Dave Matter on Mizzou. What else you got going on? Is there any other thing? Are you uh, are you writing the crossword puzzles now too? For the <laughs> no, I, I'm going to start that as soon as you start uh, doing uh, Weatherbird. I knew that. Um, was yeah. 
<laughs> I think that's Mr. Martin's uh, goal is to get you to be the uh, Weatherbird successor one day. Um, that, I look forward to it. He once uh, had a little uh, history of the Weatherbird um, conversation at the library. He introduced uh, my son as the next artist of the Weatherbird. Which is Ian's got a lot of I call Ian the next future president so he's going to have to really pick a lane here is he going to be a director, is he going to be a cartoonist is he going to be the president of the United States He I, I, maybe he'll just do all three yeah, yeah he's right now he wants to be a film critic so maybe we can kind of loop those back into the podcast at some point in time when, well, but um, you can also find all the constant Cardinals coverage at stltoday.com there's a chat every Monday, there's Loads of coverage from every game. Uh, the St. Louis Post dispatches the St. Louis media outlet that's in Atlanta with the team, and we'll continue to travel. Where the team goes just as we did in 2020. We'll continue to do in 2021. That means uh, headed off to the All Star Game as well. Uh, we'll see uh, what Cardinals are there. The best podcast in baseball is also available at stltoday.com and anywhere you get your podcasts, including iTunes, where you can rate the podcast, review the podcast. I read through them. Um, we've changed some of the podcast to be responsive to those reviews because subscriptions make the sponsorships possible and sponsorships make the weekly podcast possible. Imagine your home totally organized. Closet by Design of St. Louis can help you get organized with 40% off plus an additional 50% off and get free installation. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN today. That's 1-800-B-Y-D-E-S-I-G-N. 1-800-BY-DESIGN. Closet by Design of St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And we got through an entire hour of talking about baseball and did not mention spider tack one. Well, I'll be sitting here at my keyboard for the next three hours because I, I did use some spider tack before we started the podcast, and my, my hands are stuck to my laptop. So uh, maybe we should start using that for chat days. You think it would improve our, our, our answers per minute rate? I, I don't need any help on spin rate. I'm good on the spin. I need, uh, I need, I need velocity. I, I get many complaints about the chat that I don't answer the questions fast enough. I, I got. I got to ask Mike Schilt for one of the numbers of those chemists that he referenced. The only foreign substance is, uh, is coffee grounds on my computer, and maybe some Dorito flakes. Oh, I have tears on mine. <laughs>